Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. We share their stories with the world so that in their shining, they give permission to you to shine as well. I'm super excited today to have Lauren Laviola on. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So I know you've had a robust career with one particular group, and now you've joined, you've reinvented your career with a new group, and I'm excited to hear a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are. Absolutely. So I ended up, um, after my undergrad in journalism and not wanting to, to jump into an office space at a young age, trying to figure out what I really wanted to do with my life. So I went to work in a restaurant for a little bit and tried to go back to school to, to major in Spanish. I thought maybe I'll just be fluent in Spanish and that will open different doors. And that wasn't going how I wanted it to. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to move to Spain. So I packed up my bags and applied to a TEFL program teaching English as a foreign language and moved to Barcelona, which to me, I didn't even know where that was on a map. So I moved to Spain and did my course there, taught English for about close to a year um, and, and really saw a whole new world and, and changed my life. That is so amazing. So let me ask you beyond learning how to speak, um, another tongue like a second language what did you find that it really opened your eyes to a global world view like how you know we're so stuck on how amazing america is and it is don't get me wrong but there are other ways of living life and i think it's beautiful to travel the world and you in fact live there so how did that open your mind i saw the world from a whole different perspective i saw america from a different perspective which was crazy and so impactful at that age to see how different the media was and what was portrayed in the media. Um, when I lived there, the Blacksburg shootings happened um, on Virginia Tech campus. And I had lived wow. in Blacksburg for a couple months before that. So to walk by a newsstand and see these pictures that we wouldn't share here in the US um, and, and to experience it from that side and to open up my eyes to like how much they're sharing over there, what they're sharing about the US, what people thought of me as an American. Um, was very interesting and and it helped me to understand culture. It helped me to realize that how family is there compared to how family is here, just everything about it. I had friends from all over the world, from Australia, from Sweden, um, you know, Canada, uh, Chile, and and it just was an opportunity to realize, number one, that we're all people, right? But that yeah. while we're also the same, we're also very different. And just to learn and be more open to individuality and um, what makes everyone who they are. That is awesome. I, I, if I could give advice to, I mean, I was fortunate enough to travel the world throughout all my life as a young person too, but if I could give advice to every young person listening out there, travel the world, experience life. Don't just read about it, but experience life. I think that's really great that you bring that to the table. Well, where did you land your first, as we call real job? Um, and tell us what that was about. So when I came back from Spain, I went back and got my master's in Chicago at Roosevelt University. And um, from there, I was actually hired by two of my professors. So that would be my first real job, I guess. And um, I, I did the books for their businesses. I ran some of the little classes they did in the restaurant, the world. I was a, a restaurant consulting company. 
and worked there for about two and a half years. And while I was there, I met a gentleman that they knew who had co-founded a nonprofit. And I was really interested in it. I wanted to volunteer and they needed someone part-time, they said, <laughs> to work the website <clears throat> and social media. So I said, you know what? I just got out of grad school. I could use a little extra money. That sounds great. Well, that turned into two full-time jobs for two and a half years. And I decided wow. I really, the nonprofit world, yeah, the nonprofit world called my name. It's, That's it's, really unique because it's hard. The nonprofit world is a different um, game altogether. Um, what makes you love it so much? I think I finally found where all my passions came together with also my capabilities. Nice. Uh, when I was younger, I, I always gave my allowance to like little kids in Guatemala or dolphins and whales. And <laughs> yeah. um, I think learned from my parents. My mom was a teacher. My dad was in the medical field and um, they took care of people. So I think it was in my blood to do so. And when I started to, I see, when I could see both sides, right? When I could see for-profit and non-for-profit at the same time, I think that's when I realized where I was supposed to be. Um, and, and you're right, it's not easy. The nonprofit world can be really hard, but I think once you go there, it's really hard to go back. <laughs> yeah, you definitely are someone, uh, just from the little bit that I know of you, um, living in service to others is very important to you. And I, I think that's amazing. I respect that so, so much. So tell us, I know that your last career ended with a bang, a really good bang. Tell us about that and then take us into where you are now, because I'm super interested about where you are now. Sure. So I was with Children of Restaurant Employees, also known as CORE, for eight years as the executive director and grew it, gosh, I guess close to 600% over that time period. Um, and we have a founder center. They had a founder center every year where they honor annual supporters and then lifetime commitment um, to the to the nonprofit. And I was honored to be the recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award um, for for CORE in, in fall of 2019, not long ago. And I, I left after that. It was time for me to do something different and follow a different passion, learn something new, you know, learn about a different industry in the nonprofit world and how I could make an impact. Uh, one of the big things for me is, is empowerment, especially female empowerment and helping and education as well. Um, so when I came across, it's called Rock the Street Wall Street, uh, based here in Nashville, Tennessee. And when I came across this organization, it just, I, I was just caught by it. You know, I, I thought I need to learn more and, and what can I do? That is awesome. So, so just for the listeners, um, she said Rock the Street Wall Street. I believe that's the website too, right? RockTheStreetWallStreet.com. It sure I, is. Yeah, it's awesome. So tell me if I'm wrong, but I think I saw a little something, something on the Today Show recently, which was very exciting for all involved. Um, I was super excited because I'm like, hey, I'm about to interview someone from Rock the Street Wall Street. This is amazing. Um, so what do you do there? First of all, what do they do? And then what do you do there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, yes, I will go ahead and answer the first question. You did see us on the Today Show last week. It was very, very exciting. So that was us. And um, I was jumping, we were all jumping around here as well. Um, but Rock the Street, Wall Street, we're a national nonprofit. And we're a financial literacy program that is designed to spark the interest of high school girls into careers in finance. Wow. So we are, yeah, it's, it's, Awesome. Pretty mind opening and awesome, especially being a female, not having this when I was younger. You probably feel the same way. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, so, so we're a year long program where we um, go into the schools and 
we actually have we have three components to the program there's a fall classroom session where the girls learn from our curriculum and variety of things in the in financial literacy and the finance industry and the cool thing about us is all of those classes are taught by female financial professionals that is amazing. So those women come the role models and such i'll tell you just really quickly a story when i was growing up um, i was very fortunate the way that i was raised however uh, my father did all the finances. He made all the money. He brought it home. My mother never even had a credit card in her name, a checkbook in her name. I never had a checking account. I, you know, it was clueless as to, uh, and I something in me told me this shouldn't be just the man's job, but that was the life that I had growing up. It was my, you know, they were married in the 50s. So my dad was the provider and he did a good job of it. So no one asked questions. But then when he passed away and I was out in the real world and I had no clue how to write a check or how to get my own credit card or what does it mean to manage money, it was a huge disservice. And I was really, really disappointed that he never took time out to teach me that. And I didn't know what I didn't know, so I didn't ask. So this is just really touching home for me. Um, super excited about this program, super excited about what you do. So carry on. I just wanted to plug in that a lot of us out there suffered this. Absolutely. No, I mean, exactly. And I have, and even, you know, my parents weren't married in the fifties, but they were, you know, I grew up in, in the eighties and um, it was the same, you know, my father was a wonderful father, um, but I never had that knowledge, you know, instilled into me on, on how to do that. And, you know, he passed away young as well and seeing how that affected our family and just who had been responsible for the finances and, all the above and it's it's scary to think and yeah you know I don't have kids now um but I have tons of friends with young girls around me and I want nothing more than to teach them this stuff but anyway so that's the first part of the program those women come in and um then second part of the program they get to go on what we call a wall street field trip but really they go into the financial in institution in whichever the 15 cities that we're in and they get to see the women on a panel you know from recent grads to c-suite and ask questions and walk into the boardroom and see these women in their element. And that's one big reason why women don't, girls don't choose these jobs is because they don't see number one, women in them. And number two, they don't see their friends choosing these professions. Yeah. So they get to do that, which is super cool. I mean, did you ever go on a boardroom? And, you know, when you were younger, I had no clue that was even a thing, right? You know, the one thing I did do when I was younger, um, because my parents did bring me everywhere, is I got to um, go behind the scenes at Wall Street at the New York Stock Exchange. And That's all awesome. I thought was, oh my God, this is a nightmare. Get me out of here. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening, but people are screaming and bells are ringing and I hate it. Yeah, it was. Uh, so yeah, bite-sized pieces of education with people who uh, they can relate to teaching and, and, you know, these women who are leading by example, that's incredible. That's really, really great. What are some of the things these women, young ladies learn? Uh, so they learn everything from budgeting, right? Um, how to apply for scholarships, uh, what student loans look like, what compound interest is, what going to one school costs compared to going to another school and then weighing those, um, you know, pros and cons. They learn how to look at a stock market and look where to invest their money. Um, and they get to do some little examples with that in groups and with these women and just what other careers exist um, when when you have a math background. A lot of people think that everything is just Wall Street, like you mentioned, but really there's so many careers in finance that they can go into. Um, you know, finance really isn't more than first year algebra. 
So letting them see all the different jobs they can go into. And then we actually offer them a mentorship option as well, where they get oh, to actually be one-on-one wow. -on -one or two-to-one. Yeah, with these women and have them help them create a LinkedIn profile, do a skills assessment, make a resume. And man, those aren't even things I thought of in high school. This is so really so getting ahead. I'm jaw dropped. I didn't know they did all that. Like I know uh, yeah. this is just really incredible. Um, I, I mean, we're going to put a lot of information into the blog about this. Uh, but hearing you talk about it, I'm learning new things that I didn't already know. And folks, I have already had conversations with Lauren, but um, I'm learning something new every time I chat with her. Um, well, yep. let me ask you this. You, uh, this must be a pretty proud of professional accomplishment for you because you're helping generations going forward. But I don't want to put words in your mouth. So tell me, in fact, what is your proudest professional accomplishment? I think it would be that with both of these careers so far in these nonprofits, I've been affecting the lives of the next generation. So in the other one, I was making sure that kids, no matter the situation in their family, um, they had roofs over their head and food in their stomachs, right? Clothes on their back that they could be buried if they passed young. Um, and then now a different side of it, right? It's not as traumatic as the other organization was, but now on the education side, my mom was a math teacher for 35 years. She still is. Wow. Um, and being able to be a part of that, right? I've seen how much kids love her and how amazing she is at it. And education is a big platform for me, but I'm not really, although I did teach English, I don't know if I'm the type that wants to be in a classroom, but I'm, I'm excited to be able to continue to have a role in some way in the, in the next generation because we're going to be gone. They're going to be here. And, and I think that's really important. So I would, I would say that. You're creating a huge paradigm shift. Um, so I think that's really remarkable. And I, I would, if I were you, count that among my, um, you know, proudest professional accomplishments. Well, you mentioned your dad and you mentioned your mom. And, um, you know, I know that you highly respect both. Tell me, uh, you know, if not your mom or dad, who has been your inspirational mentor? Oh, man. So one of them's still alive and she's going to listen to this. No, <laughs> I would say honest. <laughs> I honestly would say, and I think she knows this, that it, it really is 50-50. It really, both my parents 50-50. They're such different people and taught me completely different things. I get my loud mouth, my fast talking, and my um, my massive heart that cares too much from my mom. Um, and then I get my calmer side, more rational side, um, probably a little bit more analytical. Um, I don't know, I, from my dad. You know, it's hard now. He's been gone 10 years. but I think they both, my dad taught me, I think, how to be a strong woman in a way that he promoted me being independent, as my mom always has too. I tell everyone I walk down the aisle by myself um, because, and everyone's like, why didn't your mom walk you down the aisle, right? She's alive. And when I got married two years ago, and I said, because in my mind, my father is still walking me down the aisle. He created this woman and helped to, you know, grow and foster this woman to become independent and I'm old enough that I can get, quote unquote give myself away and that he is still there and that my mom's exactly where she should be um you know and hopefully that kind of emotionally answers your question but yeah like they definitely no, each great. other it, it sounds yeah. to be like your dad was also your your sponsor you know so a lot of people don't know the difference between a mentor and a sponsor but he, he sounds like he was both yeah absolutely he was a he was a wonderful man and um, he definitely, I mean, he would have been more proud than he would know what to do with. I mean, he talked about me nonstop with patience. That's what I kept hearing after he passed, but 
he definitely made sure that I knew how to change a tire. You know, all those other things, I don't think he really thought about the financial part. Because you're right, that was this wasn't how it went. But all the other things he made sure of, like, who are these guys that can't change your tire? You know, he would get so mad. Um, but he made sure that I could take care of myself. And he was so long for the ride always to be there for me, but that I could take care of myself. And then my mom always has my back. She's the kind of woman that, I mean, the biggest supporter of whatever I'm doing. And I love that I can bring this full circle, that she's a math teacher. And now I can kind of bring that to her. Very nice. Well, let me ask you this. So it's very nice that your mom is going to hear this. So this is great. This is very, and it's terrific that she's a math teacher. Again, another woman leading by example. That's awesome. Um, let me ask you this, though. It hasn't always been easy. I'm sure we all have our challenges. And I like to have people on my show share those because, you know, listeners don't want to hear just about the good things. And then when they have something that's a challenge or a setback, they feel like, gee, I'm the only one. So I like my list, my uh, guests to share with the listeners something that was a big challenge or setback and how did you overcome it? Oh my goodness. So mine actually isn't going to be professional, but it affected every part of my life. Does that make sense? Yes. Understood. Your whole story. I, I don't believe that you can segregate your life. You bring your whole self to work and your whole self back home. I agree a hundred percent. So I have had six knee surgeries on the same knee. Oh, um, yep. <laughs> my, there's that. So my first one was at age 15. And then my last most recent one was uh, right after our wedding in 2017, that, that December. Well, this which is the most question, intense. why, why? And tell us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was an athlete when I was younger and um, I heard it when I was young and we just found out a couple of years ago that the surgery that was done then, um, whether it was that's how they were done then, or who knows, it was, wasn't done correctly. Um, so uh, no one really caught that, and I kept tearing things and tearing things and going down. And um, I'm on my fourth ACL. I don't have um, any cushion on bone on bone, and I'm just really waiting for a knee replacement. So I would really say that's the biggest setback in my life. I had four of those major surgeries in during my career. Um, you know, being younger and being in high school is one thing, you know, you're missing out on school and that kind of thing. Um, but I had to figure out how to be out for two or three weeks or work from home or get to physical therapy and still run an organization. Yeah. And that was, that was challenging. Um, I was on airplanes. I was on stage on crutches and in wheelchairs for conferences. And I didn't, I didn't use all my, my sick days. I'll tell you that throughout those. So wow. it was hard running a nonprofit with a team of two. Yeah. So I, I don't think people realize um, that most stories like that, corporate women or career women, women in professional services, they keep that quiet because they're afraid. And that's what we need to change. We need to change that corporate mindset that you can't um, be your whole self, you know, at work and at home. You, ha you know, how can you forget that you're in pain or that you have a kid at home who's sick or, you know, so I think the workplace place needs to be more open to real life. You know, this is incredible that you powered through. I hope that your powering through didn't make things worse though. No, I think it just taught me that I'm still lucky than some, you know, it was just a constant yeah. reminder of, I can still get up and walk now. It, you know, it is something that, I have chronic pain and it's one of those non-visual things and most people don't know. So it does set, you know, but it's pushed me back. It's taken me out of things where I, where I usually get a release, 
You know, I used to teach spin classes. I would work out constantly and that's my release emotionally, physically, yeah. you know, everything mentally and being having to lose that and find a new one throughout such important times in my career was tough. You know, you're supposed to be on pain meds. Well, I can be on pain meds and do my job. So yeah, yeah I'd say that's the biggest thing I had to overcome. Wow. And, and it sounds to me like you're managing it now. Yeah, it is. It, I mean, it hurts while we speak, but I'm, you know, I'm good and I'm just holding out until they'll replace this, this thing. Um, but it's going to be a while. So my thoughts for sure. So um, I hope that they can fix it one, once and for all, like, you know, finally for, for good. Um, let me <laughs> yeah, ask you a little you. bit. Um, I saw your founder, CEO, leader, boss, on the Today Show, as mentioned earlier. Tell me more about Mara. What is her name and, and you know, uh, what is, why did she start this? You mentioned that a tad earlier. I'd like to expound a little bit more on why she started this. Absolutely. Um, and then she, she can be such a good resource for you eventually too. She's, she's wonderful. She was on Wall Street, grew up in New York, uh, was on Wall Street for 25 years, one of the only females. Um, and they ran her own company as well, and she still trades options, but she retired young and realized that there must be more to life than this. So she wanted to follow a passion that was instilled with her and that she, you know, saw throughout her career. And it was a lack of female professionals in finance. So yeah. she went back and got her master's in civic leadership. She really wanted to try to change, you know, policy. And as we both know, I'm sure that is a very hard thing to do. Um, so she ended up doing her thesis on why we lose girls and in, in their interest in math at age nine in the United States. And she learned that it was a total cultural issue. It's not capability that Eastern Europe and Asia, they don't have this problem, but Western Europe, and United States do. And she wanted those girls back and she wanted to figure out how we get them back. So she started this nonprofit. She taught all the classes by herself at first when she started here in Nashville and um, created the program. And just so many different reasons why um, the girls get lost at a young age. One's in the home, right? So it's this traditional home. Usually the women don't do the financials and talk about finances. So we lose them there. Number two, most teachers from kindergarten through what, eighth grade are females, the majority. And a lot of these females don't have the education to teach finance and to teach math, or they say they don't like math, or they have math anxiety. And there's been studies that's pr that proven that a women at a, at a whiteboard in a classroom if they have math anxiety, it's transferring to the girls and not the boys. So by the time they yeah. get to high school and they're there's a pivotal time in their life to pick their next path, they're like, eh, I don't like math. Girls aren't good at math. I'm gonna do something else. You know, when I saw the the bit on the Today Show, my um, stepdaughter was in the room and I asked her to watch it with me, and she happened to be, uh, you know, an exception to that. She loved math and she was a mathlete. She competed across the country in math when she was young, but she was the only female always on the team. And then I asked her, I said, why did you love math? She said, because my teachers loved math. So that's exactly what you're saying right there. Um, you know, if there's mm -hmm. any sense of apprehension or I'm not happy doing what I'm doing, then who's going to want to do that? So I love you. You're changing the world actually. So look, Folks, we're going to put all this information as well as the Today Show clip into the blog that I'll write after, um, and I'll share that with the world, and I'll share, uh, Lauren, your, your contact info and, you know, your LinkedIn profile, anything you'd like me to share with the world. 
Um, so know that. But for those who are only going to listen to the podcast, how can they reach you? Yep. So you can reach me by email, and that's my first name, Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N dot L at rock the street wall street dot com. And that's probably the best way. If you want to find me on LinkedIn, I'm pretty easy to find. This last name is not as common as you may think. Um, huh. And it's Laviola. It's Laviola, which is L A. Beautiful last name, folks. L A. Yep. The way I. Yeah, L A V I O L A. It's a beautiful last name. Thank you. That's the Italian side. That's from my dad, and I kept it with the marriage too. Nice. <laughs> I couldn't get rid of that. Nice, nice, nice. Well, you are a delightful person. I have had the the pleasure of conversation with you on more than one occasion and enjoyed it every time. And I hope our listeners have as well. So I will say goodbye to all those out there who are listening. And I will say thank you to you, Lauren, for being here today. Well, thank you for listening and for, for sharing my story, but also sharing more about this organization. And hopefully more folks will continue to get involved and we'll change the world together. Well, I will. I'll do my best to make sure that happens. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye, everybody.